welcome to the Public Safety Drum Podcast. Now, here's the show. Hello, everybody. Welcome to uh, episode, let's see, where are we at here? Nine, I believe, of the Public Safety Drum Podcast. Uh, and uh, we are here again recording at MobileCom, and we are with a couple of our hosts. We have a missing host or two this week. We'll talk about that in a second here, but uh, I'm Joe Wessels from MobileCom. And uh, my uh, co-hosts here today, Lieutenant Steve Schuler of the Blue Ash Police Department, and David Glenn, otherwise known as Kluge on YouTube. Thanks for having me here. You're welcome. And uh, Mr. 10,000, I think we call him now, right? That's your <laughs> nickname here? <laughs> and we mean that not in the uh, Wilt Chamberlain kind of way, I guess, right? Oh, hey, no. Hey, no. Whoa. <laughs> wow. <laughs> he went, I went there, I guess. I'm sorry. Um, yeah, he's got lots of subscribers. got a great YouTube channel. Go check that out. Um, Chief uh, Amos Johnson, Woodlawn Fire, uh, he couldn't make it today. He had something come up at the last minute, as uh, those things sometimes happen in, in uh, this uh, public safety uh, arena. And uh, Katie Thilmeyer will be joining us here, I think, again in a couple weeks as well, too. Uh, she's from Woodlawn as well, too. So uh, they're not here today, but you got us. And we're, we've got lots of stuff to talk about here. We were having a great conversation last time about the remote ID and um, it is continues to be um, a little bit more than controversial. Is that a fair statement? I think. I think so. Yeah, <laughs> I think there's a lot. To the, it's a good starting point, but uh, they reason they they put that out for a reason. A notice of proposed rulemaking uh-huh. or comment, and then they do take those comments seriously and yeah. see if they can incorporate, see if they missed anything, and maybe the FAA would incorporate uh, something into the final rule. So. Right. So, yeah, so it's not like a done deal by any stretch. And I think there has been a fair amount of misinformation out there. I don't want to add to that. So, um, But basically what they're saying is that they want to create these remote ID. And remote ID, uh, I mean, the short definition of it is it's a license plate for drones, a digital license plate. You're not going to, you know, you have to put your number on the outside of your drone now, uh, whether you're hobbyist or commercial. Um, you don't need to get into what all those rules are, but you do have to have a number on the outside of your drone. This will actually broadcast your ID kind of like a transponder does now for the tail number of an airplane for anybody to identify who you are. And um, there's some concerns being raised. I think uh, pretty fair concerns about, you know, who's going to have access to the information and all that. And, and, and David was talking last time about that very topic. What, what's going to happen? Who, who's going to have this information and um, what can they do with it? Are they going to be able to, Sell that data, mine that data, you know, is this going to be government only? Are they just doing this? Is it going to be accessed uh, by federal officials? Or are they going to share this with local officials, uh, like somebody like Lieutenant Schuler and, and the Blue Police Department, if they're investigating a case, can they petition this kind of like a cell phone tower database? Or, you know, like if you need to get, you know, access. And, again, I, I, <laughs> I'm not a police officer. I don't want to pretend to be one. But you, you can access somebody's. Well, cell phone data if, so, if you have a subpoena, right? So we can't access it directly. So generally, yeah, you mentioned subpoena, a court order, a, uh, a search warrant. Uh, Typically, okay. that's how we get that data from cell phone carriers or, uh, you know, mostly cell phone carriers. Now, mm-hmm. if we're searching the hardware itself, we're required to get a search warrant to uh, go through the data on the hardware. Gotcha. So. And, and so um, I don't know if we got into this so much last time. What do you think – as um, for law enforcement, is this important information to have, or is it kind of like, oh, it's a nice to have, really would like to have, or not really that important at all? I think I look at it from two different ways. One is, you know, investigating complaints, uh, which we do occasionally do get called to investigate complaints of drones that are, you know, flying over someone's property, even though it's not necessarily illegal. Uh, you know, mm-hmm. but we may get a reckless operation of a drone complaint and things like that. This would be a useful tool to identify the operator. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's, you know, currently we would have to kind of hang around, see where the thing landed, and uh, hopefully identify the operator that way. That's why we have our folks trained right now. Uh, 
Uh, the other point of view. Have you actually this, done training on that? We have. Yeah, we trained our folks in in-service training last year, just an okay. hour or so, on how to respond. Just give them the basics. Uh, you know, what what an operator is required to have. How uh, many calls do you think you get on that, or is it? it it's not many, but it's you know, in the last three years or two years, we might have had ten or twelve or so. Oh, really? So, that, that's higher so, than I thought. Wow. So, so not not a not a very high number, but. And uh, where are they? Are they flying like? Uh, if you're familiar with Blue Ash, we're in Cincinnati. I feel like I say that every so often, but. Um, so we're northeast know. Cincinnati, uh, yeah, just inside the I two seventy five Beltway. And and is it illegal to fly drones anywhere in Blue Ash? Is it like are you not allowed to fly at like say Summit Park is the park that is. Um, Still under development, but uh, but open to the public now, right. and a lot of areas are already open. It's a beautiful park. It used to be an airport, actually, which it is was. Blue Ash Airport, the Blue right. Ash Airport. Uh, and then uh, now there's this big, beautiful tower there and play field and really cool playground. They're putting some condos and restaurants. There was an ice rink there. I don't know if it's is it still there. It's, like, it's closed down now. It's oh, open for several months over the Christmas season. Right. But, uh, so it's a popular place, um, and it's kind of the only really big kind of park of its kind outside of like the center city of Cincinnati. Uh, right. So you let to fly drones there? So it's about 130 acres. So to answer your your first question, do we have any uh, you know legislation that covers yeah. that? No, we go by the FAA's rules. For okay. That. So, uh, but however, there's a park rule that says if you're a Part 107 pilot, you're allowed to fly anywhere, just like you can. Oh, I didn't know. That. Yeah, and then if you're a hobbyist, there's an AMA flying field there. They have to fly there. Oh, really? So there isn't actually AMA flying it's, field. It's very small, but over in the western portion of the parks. So. Oh, no kidding. Oh, that's cool. Okay, that's a pretty. It's pretty progressive. I would, that was the word open. I was going to use. Yeah. I mean, most most uh, park systems that I'm aware of around the the greater Cincinnati area, you know, don't are, are very uh, discouraging to to drones. You know, if you talk mm-hmm. about the Hamilton County Parks or Butler County Parks or right. oh, Butler County those, now too. Uh, yeah. I knew Hamilton County. I didn't know about Butler yeah, County. Yeah, Butler County is the same way as well. There, were, there was um, um, I don't know if you're in this group or not. Well, you said you don't do Facebook, right, Steve? I do a little bit, but uh, okay. There's a. a, a Drone Pilots Association, or uh, well, I don't know which that was the Drone Pilot Group. It's a user group on Facebook. And did you see this post about a guy who was saying you can't fly in Ohio State parks? Yes. And and I can jump on. I said, you know, he said you can't fly in parks is what he said. He goes, well, this guy was flying. You know, somebody posted a photo, a really cool photo of a of a waterfall, and he and I didn't know what park it was in, but he said this is an Ohio State park, and you can't fly in Ohio State parks. And I'm like, nah, you know, because I've asked, and their rangers are. You know, the ODNR official officers, they're like, no, we, there's no rule against it. That's a pretty broad statement. Yeah. So I was trying to say, so there's that kind of interesting, you know, like I grew up in Coring Township. I know they have a rule against flying in their parks there. So Hampton County, City of Cincinnati, the Cincinnati Park, park Board, mm-hmm. you can fly in parks there. So that covers a lot. Those are, it's a pretty big park system. So our uh, our park rule, well, not the rule doesn't, but the, uh, the flying of drones in a park predates uh, Part 107. So... When uh, the airport first closed in August of 12, we had a lot of, uh, you know, I, I won't call them drone pilots, but they're folks that are flying, uh, you know, model planes, basically yeah. model, they're model flyers. So they started using the taxiways for taking off and things like that. And it, at first, before the park was developed, that wasn't uh, a problem because it was okay. just an empty taxiway and things. And as the park developed, those areas are now parking areas. Oh. So that got to be a problem. So they relocated the AMA field over to that one corner of the park, the southwestern corner of the park. Okay. But we, what we did was left it open for 107 pilots who have a whole other set of restrictions. We can fly anywhere in the park because you you're should be operating under Part 107 rules. So, right. So, yeah. you know, not flying over people. Like right. Stuff, exactly. Right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. So, I think going back to Joe's original question, you know, what is Sorry, in terms podcast. of your, your day-to-day – you know, you know, what is your perspective in terms of the remote ID? You said that you can see that it would be useful from one perspective. Yeah, from that perspective, from the perspective of uh, most of our missions aren't, uh, there's nothing confidential about them. You know, we're, we're flying, a, like tomorrow we're flying a, ma- a mapping mission at the golf course. You know, that's not really, mm. 
super secret or anything. However, <laughs> if we're doing a surveillance, which is a confidential case, working with some undercover officers, we don't necessarily want that uh, ID to be broadcast at that uh, time, right? Okay, so right. Uh, I could see some concern there. It would be nice to be able to have the ability to turn that off. Mm-hmm. Um, and Dave also raised some uh, concerns about privacy security, so the data security. So, you know, who has access to that? How secure is it? Uh, is it held by a third party as opposed to the FAA and that kind of thing? Those, those are all valid concerns. I think it need to be addressed before the final rules put into place. Yeah, and I think one of the, I mean, we you, you almost can't talk about this without also talking about the Department of Interior recently put in place a man that they won't allow. Uh, any of their employees to for any of their missions to use any drones that are built out of China. And the, part of the reason behind that is because of the data that's being collected and is it being sent back somewhere? Well, now the now a different uh, arm of the government is now saying, oh, we're, we're going to collect all of this data into a central location. Um, you know, but we're seems, the good guys, right? <laughs> yeah, but we're the good guys, right? So – you know, I guess from a civilian's perspective, you know, it seems, you know, you're you're like, okay, well, which is it, right? Is this good or is this bad? Or, you know, it just um, doesn't make a lot of sense from, from that perspective. Now, and, and I just want to be clear, and I'm not sure I was 100% clear on the in the last podcast uh, that, I, you know, I'm all for bro- uh, broadcast ID and, and, uh, and kind of a subset of what's in this remote ID proposal. I think that there's valid reasons for a lot. Some of the reasons that you were talking about, in terms of, you know, there's some infrastructure concerns, there's security concerns, and I understand some of that. But I think that uh, they can go about doing and protecting those those uh, sites and knowing who's flying in those areas without, you know, some of the the data privacy issues and some of those other concerns I was talking about. And I think that there's also other concerns in this remote ID proposal as well that that uh, maybe we didn't talk about in terms of, and we talked a little bit about the FRIAs last week, the FAA-regulated, or I forget what FRIA stands for. Do you guys remember? Basically the equivalent of an AMA field. Yeah, it's essentially essentially a community-based organization has petitioned to the FAA to Mm -hmm. be able to have a a recognized flying site, and they they have special rules that are around that, and I think that they call that, is that the limited? There's the three different levels. I don't have my cheat sheet with me. Uh, No, it's not the limited. It's without remote identification, so you can fly at these free sites uh, without that. But you can only only, uh, petition to become one of these uh, uh, community-based sites for a 12-month period. Yeah. And you can't... Um, uh, after that 12-month period, if if, it go, if the rule goes into effect like it's being proposed, well, those sites are going to go away at some point, right? Because, you know, okay, well, we'll say I want to keep my, my community-based organization alive, but I want to move it from here to over there for, for different reasons, right? Maybe the, the economics of the area have changed or, uh, you know, there's a million different reasons why, you know, you might want to move sites or uh, say a, a, a site closes, over, uh, you know, at some point in the future. Well, maybe someone else wants to open their own community-based mm-hmm. organization that, that, and petition to be a flying site. Well, if the, the the standards go into effect that are in this proposal, you can't, you won't be able to petition to to get a new one in the future. So, mm. you know, I think that's important. And there's there's also items in there around building your own um, your own unmanned aircraft, and mm-hmm. you know, the whole. Um, the whole flying hobby, uh, unmanned flying hobby, really started with the RC, you know, uh, uh, fixed wings and then uh, helicopters and so on. 
and those AMA, I mean, AMA sites have been around for generations, right? For, mm-hmm. for dozens, uh, dozens and dozens of years. And, um, you know, the whole hobby's kind of been built off of that, um, you know, and it's been kind of a, uh, uh, a way to get kids and families in, in, involved in, in, the, in that and get involved in engineering and, and so on and uh, encourage the, encouraging flight and so on and, and taking away, you know, those community sites and taking away the ability to uh, build your own aircraft um, because the way the rules are proposed, you really won't be able to build your own aircraft. You basically have to buy a certified uh, piece of hardware from a, a company that's had their, basically had their, their system, you know, vetted that it's going to meet the rules and then it's not hackable and, Otherwise, you can't you're turn, limited to the free site. Yeah, so, exactly. Right. And so, mm. you know, I think there's a lot of other things around. Not, you know, I, I spent a lot of time in the last episode talking about the data privacy and, and right. concerns around that. But I think that's not the only issues that, that are there. And, for, and so from my civilian perspective, anyways, those are some of the concerns. Um, I, I think those are valid concerns. Uh, go, going back to the, uh, the, the free sites and how you can petition only for 12 months, that to me looks like a typo in there. Like they forgot to put one more bullet point in there that says this is how the, this process can continue, and hopefully oh, that's the case. But right. That obviously the comments will hopefully reflect people's concerns in there. I think that overall uh, the the general principle of this is good because it advances the technology. So it's integrating. It helps to integrate unmanned with manned aircraft better than we are now. Right now we're separated. Right. You know we're limited to four hundred feet in most cases. So this will, you know, with remote ID will show up on, you know, radar, ATC's radar and that kind of thing. Right. Well, what if there's like a, I wonder if they'll do like a tiered system maybe, or like a, you know, a right column, left column kind of thing where if you are, you know, sharing your remote ID, you can go, you know, thousand feet, 5,000 feet, whatever, you know. I didn't see any uh, altitude limitations, although part 107, we talked about this last time, is still, would still be in effect, but I think... I would hope that would be modified to integrate. That was the idea. Well, because eventually, I mean, yeah, I don't mean necessarily with this rulemaking, but maybe they're trying to um, set it up for a future rule because you know th- th- this is not right. going to be the end of this, right? Sure, the, yeah. You know, uh, the uh, FAA has said they want to uh, crawl, walk, and then run. So right. uh, we're kind of walking right now, and we're working toward running. So uh, to me, this is like I said, a step in that direction. But the devil's in the details, like David said. So we've yeah. got to worry about uh, data security and some other things in there as well so mm-hmm. yeah, and in terms of those recognized sites it there's actually a part in the actual proposal it says the fa solicits comment on whether the proposed 12-month deadline for applying for an fa recognized ident- identification area should be extended the responses should include specific reasons for why or why not the time period time period should be extended so they understand yeah, they recognize that they're that that's going to be kind of a, a, right. a pain point for, for sure. some people right so and there's there there are throughout the document there's things like that where they say okay this is what we're proposing and hey we want you to comment on this because we understand that it may not just be a black and white issue you know cut and dry whatever that there's you know so we want to hear the reasons why and so that, I mean that that that's good right that they yeah, they, they do absolutely. put things like that in there that recognize that okay well this is what we're saying but you know what do you really think about it and they're actually asking specifically for comments on that which is which is good. So I'll, I'll throw this after you, you know, I've been reading some of the comments online. You obviously get a lot of comments from your channel, David, um, as well too. I don't know, Steve, if you looked at this too, are people overreacting to this? Do you think, are they, are they still overreacting or people starting to calm down a little bit? What do what you, what's the feeling you have about that? Or do you want to say, <laughs> <laughs> no, David, no, I mean, you first. 
<laughs> I mean, there's there's always going to be overreaction, uh, and and I think there was there was more so at the beginning because I think there was some some concern early on, especially about the the network remote ID, and uh-huh. so so just to to as a reminder, there's two different types of of uh, of remote remote ID. One is the network based, which you basically have to send your location back via the internet in some method, which could cause some issues if right. you're flying, like you said, you're from Idaho. So that yeah, if you're in the middle of the mountains somewhere, you know, then okay, well, and and, and I think there was some concern that uh, if you didn't have an internet connection, that you wouldn't be able to take off. And I think that 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 has partially been. Uh, appeased a little bit with with some of the language that's in in there, but there's also the broadcast remote ID, which is essentially, and, and they don't define the technology, but you're basically remote or uh, locally based broadcasting your position, and and a lot of people equate that to to kind of DJI's uh, system that they've already got in place, and I think DJI it's one of the reasons DJI built it and put it in place was because they were hoping that for that to kind of they knew this was coming. And they were hoping for their system to kind of become the default standard in the future. Uh, and, and they use a, a piece of hardware, I think they call it Aeroscope now, that uh, picks up on right. those those details. And it basically, the, if you have a DJI drone, it's already broadcasting the the geolocation of your drone as well as the the, the controller of that drone. And uh, and so, um, you know, you you just have to. You know, you kind of have to understand when you're reading through the this the the difference between those two types of technology. Kind of understand that, and um, and I think that the, the, the hysteria around the the internet part of it, in terms of oh well, I'm not going to be able to fly if I don't have an internet connection. I think is is partially kind of settled a little bit uh, because it, it says that you will be able to as long as you're broadcasting uh, and, and assuming you're under the st- standard uh, remote identification. You know, for the price of admission, anybody could have internet access with satellite uh, internet. But uh, what's, the, what's the price of admission to that? Right. That's right. <laughs> yeah, we were just talking about that with some folks I had lunch with. That they're going to, you know, these low, uh, low, low Earth, Earth orbit, orbit. Yep. internet. Right. It's going to be with. Uh, Is that SpaceX's system they've got up? I think so. Elon Musk and all those. Yeah, regularly yeah, that. So, yeah, yeah. I, I honestly don't know that much about. it. I just heard about it for the first time from lunch. I don't know. Why there was some talk it. about spinning that arm of the company off into its uh, private right. telecom company now. Yeah, yeah okay. These yeah. flying loaves of bread, right? That's what it basically <laughs> yeah. But, uh, yeah, I think the in terms of the hysteria, I, I think that the hysteria is kind of uh, slowed down a little bit, and I think a lot more people are a bit more educated about mm-hmm. it, but I think that there's still a lot of people have a lot of valid concerns about it, but it's not at the hysteria level. But I think there's a lot of people that, like myself, who want to voice the concerns and say, hey, you know, Make sure that you get your voice heard. That, that if you do have concerns, you know, here's some of my concerns. Maybe they aren't your concerns, but you know, here's my concerns. If you share those same sort of concerns, make sure that you communicate those to the FAA in terms of the official comment process, and that you do that before March second, and that you don't just parrot, don't just copy and paste somebody else's comments yeah, because it's not going to have the same weight right. as if yeah. you put it in your own words. You put your own story behind it about why it's important to you, and that's one of the things that I think the FAA has made clear is to make make sure that you you put the reasons why it's important to you because wh- why it's important to me may be different than the reason that it's important to you as a sure. as a, a, a you know drone 
or as a public safety person, or you as uh, in the communications business with mm-hmm. Mobilecom or yep. whatever, you know, and I know that we all have a, a personal interest, but we also have professional interests that are maybe slightly different. And so when you have, when you write your story and you write your comments from a personal perspective and your professional perspective, it's, they're, they're going to be different uh, as opposed to just copying, pasting the, the AMA's template and putting it in there because it's insert your name here. Right. So yep. Yeah. I, I appreciate the way the process works here because Instead of, uh, you know, you're talking to your elected representative and, you know, I express, please express my concerns. And, right. and and then you're trusting that those aren't um, no spin or anything else to put on. They're not edited out. Here you what, can a them. politician spinning something? All yeah, right. All right. So oh, here uh, I got to be careful what I say because I'm working today. Right. So, <laughs> right, right. But um, we here we can submit stuff directly to the FAA with the assurance it's going to be looked at and read and considered in there. So, yeah, that's right. Um, without uh, anybody, we can submit it. They can read it as we submit it, probably the best way to say it, without it being altered. Yeah. So I like that. Gotcha. Yeah. Let's take a quick break. And uh, as we do, you know, sponsored by Mobilecom. I didn't say that today at the beginning of the show, but that's what this is going to be all about. So we'll be right back after these messages. We'll talk about where you can make a comment. If you uh, the comment period is still open, we should talk about how you can do that. So right back. Uh, thanks for listening to the Public Safety Drone Podcast. We'll be right back after this short break. Getting hands-on drone training should not be hard. With Mobilecom, it's easy. Partnered with Skyop, a national leader in drone training, Mobilecom offers in-person drone instructor-led classroom instructions at our facility or yours. Courses include hands-on training, so your staff is trained not only in the knowledge behind the drones, but flying one, making your drone program exceptional and, most importantly, safer. Mobilecom chooses Skyop because teaching pilots how to fly safely and following regulations is all they do. Skyop develops top-notch drone training, nothing else. Their curriculum and Mobilecom's Skyop certified instructors give your drone pilots the background knowledge and hands-on training not provided anywhere else by people who only do drone training. Whether you need to pass your Part 107, get recurrent on your existing Part 107, starting a drone program from scratch, or need to know how to utilize drone software like PIX4D, Mobilecom has you covered. For more information, call 877-447-8433 or visit mobilecom.com forward slash UAS. Again, Mobilecom, M-O-B-I-L-C-O-M-M dot com forward slash U-A-S. That's 877-447-8433. Mobilecom, for the best, most comprehensive drone training anywhere. Mobilecom. If you're interested in being a guest or know someone who could be, please contact the Public Safety Drone Podcast producer at UAS at Mobilecom.com. That's UAS at M-O-B-I-L-C-O-M-M dot com or call 877-447-8433. Welcome back to the Public Safety Drone Podcast. I'm Joe Wessels from Mobilecom. And I should say, too, if you want to come, we're talking about remote ID here, and I'm with uh, Lieutenant Steve Schuler of the Blue Ash Police Department and David Glenn, who is... um, the uh, Mr. Uh, 10,000, as I called him, <laughs> on uh, Clue G. See, i got to get a bigger number now so you can call me something else yeah, besides right. that. <laughs> exactly. 10,059. 10,059. I'm going to throw out a number there, Dave. Is it, is that, are you checking what you're, how you send me subscribers? <laughs> no, I'm not checking. <laughs> you're not obsessed? It like, is bigger than that number, though. Oh, wow. Hey, that's, that's <laughs> pretty impressive. But he's got a great channel on uh, YouTube called Clue G. I guess I never spelled that. It's K-L-O-O-G-E-E. Uh, look for him on YouTube. Some great videos there. Um, emanating from the Cincinnati, greater Cincinnati area is, is, is this podcast here. Um, and I say, you know, as we're talking about remote ID, I'd love to hear from folks. We mentioned this on the last podcast. 
as well. Um, you can go to, um, or actually you can just send an email to UAS at mobilecom. It's M-O-B-I-L-C-O-M-M dot C-O-M. And uh, you can send us your comment. We'll read them on the air. Or if you want to send us like an MP3 or WAV file uh, with your comments in them, we can play those on the air as well too. Or if it's easier, you just got a phone handy, you can just call 877-447-8433. That's 877-447-8433. When uh, somebody picks up the phone there, just ask to speak uh, with me, Joe Wessels, or just say the drone guy. They know who I am. And you can uh, tell me or we can just uh, leave it on our voicemail and we'll – Play your response on on the air about this or anything else we've talked about on the podcast as well too. We'd love to hear your feedback. We get a little bit of feedback on uh, Twitter and that sort of thing too, so it's nice to hear that. But uh, you know, if you want to be a part of the show, as they say, just send us an email or shoot us a uh, or call us and leave us a voicemail. That was real smooth, I think. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, well done. Thank you, thank you, yeah, professional all the way. Um, I'm joking, right? You're supposed to laugh at that. I need my laugh track here. I don't know where. I don't know what happened to my laugh track. Uh, so, remote ID. If you want to uh, comment on it, I don't have my cheat sheet on me, so I'm trusting you guys. Where's the Where's the uh, comment? You just Google FAA remote ID comment. And- I, I'm pretty sure if you were to Google FAA remote ID, you never uh, find it. <laughs> yeah, you'll so see. Much- you'll see a notice of of proposed rulemaking. Yeah, yeah. mouthful. Okay. So. Uh, they can comment on their – it's on the FAA's website. Yep. Yeah. Just make sure and do it before March 2nd. That's yeah. the last date. If you comment to us, we'd love that. But those are, those comments aren't official, right? They don't officially count. We we will uh, – I don't know. They they take what, they take listen to what you have to say, Joe. I, well, yeah, I know. <laughs> the FAA, You're an important always, they're guy. always calling me and they bug me and ask me my opinion about everything. Gosh, people. Don't you guys Nobody know? Nobody makes a decision without asking Joe. For That's right. The FAA, they always, Joe, always call me. Joe knows everybody. Yeah. Is that why they crashed my door down in the middle of the night the other night? I could not remember. <laughs> Like, why are you guys here? Anyway, um, just kidding, folks. So, uh, remote ID. What, what, what was the tag we want to put on that? Is there? Did you have a little bit more you want to add, or were, you, were we pretty much ready to move on to the next topic? No, I think uh, from my perspective, kind of a segue maybe is the Super Bowl, right? So recently oh, yeah, we had Super the Bowl. Super Bowl, and uh, of course Chiefs. there was, I was a uh, happy about that. You guys, yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. I'm, I'm actually a, a, a long lost and important on the lost uh, 49ers fan. Oh, yeah. uh, growing up as a kid in the 80s, you know, when they were winning all the Super Bowls. I Against was, uh, the Bengals? Yeah, we're in Cincinnati. Well, well, <laughs> I wore my Bengals jersey to the Super Bowl party because we were playing the 49ers. <laughs> we beat the Bengals twice <laughs> in Super Bowls. You so. can tell who didn't grow up in Cincinnati <laughs> on this podcast here <laughs> Yeah, but uh, that's all good. We'll, we'll let but you anyways, know. for the Super Bowl that whole week, they had flight restrictions. They had right. TFRs in in the whole like southern Florida area, covering a, a big area, and uh, and it wasn't just the day of the the game. There was uh, a whole bunch of activities the the whole week, and uh, I think they said something about they they uh, uh, collected well. So they they identified like seventy some I think uh, drones at the time, and they uh, 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 took possession of I think uh, I think I'd read at least four drones, and one guy they very specifically arrested, and uh, he's facing up to a year in jail and all kinds of other stuff. I think some fines as well. And uh, from my perspective, I guess that kind of goes to remote ID in that. Uh, it seems to me like they were probably able to identify some of these drones and be able to identify the operators. Yeah, maybe with some aeroscope action there. Yeah, maybe uh, some some broadcast uh, remote ID f- and, with DJI's aeroscope system. And so the Super Bowl was in Florida. Yeah, and I just got to say it generated another one of my favorite headlines. The, the journalist here me loves a Florida man. 
Florida man. <laughs> a Florida yeah. man was arrested. Yes. Florida man's in trouble a lot. <laughs> yeah, so. Florida man. Yeah. This he article does. I pulled up, a Florida man is facing federal charges after the FBI yeah. says he flew a drone in an off-area limits or an off limits because of super bowl related events and i'm sorry to any of our listeners in florida i don't mean to if you are a florida man i'm sorry i didn't mean to insult you david that same article it may just be uh and maybe some ignorance not in a bad way but ignorance on the part of the reporter where it says that the uh the person who was arrested had a certificate to fly the drone which i assume is a part 107 pilot certificate but he altered it to allow it to flight in flight into a restricted area which uh I just don't quite see exactly uh, what was meant by that, that reporting. Did you get what did you get out of that? Well, my guess is that maybe he he did the. Um, so I, I I don't think that I ever pulled up the actual TFRs on on any uh, any maps or anything. I didn't pull up what DJI's system did, mm-hmm. but it's possible that he that you know the reporter was maybe a bit confused in terms of it as a lot of actual new drone pilots are oh, yeah. in terms of the D- DJI geofencing versus the FAA you know actual legal right. issues right and so maybe yeah. and, and I don't know but maybe the 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 what they were re- referencing there was actually DJI's geofencing system and they did the um the self authorization or something like that be. to be able to to fly in a in a in that area makes sense um you know, if, if it was not a DJI drone, then, you know, most drone, most other drones, as far as I'm aware, don't have anything that will stop you. Um, but I, I'd read other articles where basically it made it sound like he was aware that there was a, a flight restriction there. And he cho- and, and I think he basically admitted it, that he was aware Why that he was doing do it anyways. Well, I'm... I, I just still they, don't... They make TV shows and YouTube channels about dumb criminals, right? So... yeah. Okay. He may be the first uh, person that I know has been charged criminally for violating a TFR. Um, TFR, you, like for uh, drones or just in general? Well, maybe maybe both. I'm trying to think of because a case Because most p- pilots, like if you go through the process of becoming a manned pilot, you learn about TFRs and you know that that is a big no-no unless right. you're doing something super nefarious. Yeah, I was, um, I was involved in one where we, uh, when our airport was open, where we stopped someone at the request of the Secret Service who was he was intercepted by fighters and ordered to land there. And he landed, he had violated a, a presidential TFR. Oh, wow. So the Secret Service, we held until the Secret Service came out and interviewed him. And turned out uh, they were so interested because the guy was a, a, a national of another country. He lived here in the U.S., permanent resident, but he wasn't a U.S. citizen. So uh-huh. they were quite interested in him. Oh, wow. And uh, he ended up getting a year's uh, pilot certificate suspension as a result of that. But he wasn't, he wasn't charged criminally. He was just... Because he, he didn't do it on purpose. He was inadvertent. He came, he was... Going by the airport, and he said, "You know, I want to go flying today." So he took his plane up, and uh, he was kind of he had a multi-engine plane. So he was trying to lean the mixture out, f- figure out the best way to fly economically. You know, uh, uh-huh. with using the least amount of gas, and he flew right through the uh, presidential TFR. Whoops! And hadn't hadn't looked at notams before he left or anything. So he paid the price on that one, but it, not yeah. criminally. So this is did yeah. they find him as well? Or did oh, they? I'm sure they did yeah. administratively, but. Uh, but years, years pilot certificate suspension is pretty significant. So and I, I, that must have been that, that's the kind of stuff when they, when that happens. That must be fascinating to see how the federal government moves in this sort of secret service. You know, because oh, yeah. like, it's not like they can just wait. They, it's like act now. Yeah. They wanted to interview him right there. <laughs> so, yeah. Really? Wow! Yeah. Wow! 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 That's interesting. So, so this guy. You know, those guys, he made a careless mistake because right. he didn't check his notams ahead of time. This guy admitted he, he knowingly violated the TFR, so maybe that maybe that's the difference right there. And yeah. Who knows exactly where he was and exactly what he was doing. So, uh, Yeah, and I think uh, yeah, I've heard the FAA 
uh, say this terminology, and I've heard uh, 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 another government official in the UK talk about about the clueless, careless, and criminal. Right, a lot of times they're the okay. FA in terms of av- aviation in general is is willing to try and educate the uh, clueless and the careless right. and uh, help them to you know get the education or make them kind of see the light in terms of if they're being careless. Uh, but the criminal, they're you know they're going to take more severe action, and it kind of seems like. They're, you know, maybe they didn't feel like he was clueless or careless and that he had, uh, you know, other intentions and he was, you know, just purposely uh, doing things. So. Yeah, it sounds like there might be more to the story, too. Maybe more is going to come out. We'll see out. what I can come up with before the next, uh, the maybe next thing. I may be able yeah. to come up with something that could shed some light on that. So. Yeah, yeah, okay. That, that'd be great. Well, I think with all that, we, we got more to talk about, but we'll get we'll pick that up on the next episode. Um, you guys look stunned. Are you guys okay with that? <laughs> <laughs> you both look like sure. what? it's over already. Okay. Yeah, hey, but, I'm always having fun, right? Always so, having fun. Never, never wanted to end, right? Well, yeah, <laughs> never. That's why we can do another one, right? We that's can, right. Very <laughs> good. Uh, so uh, stay tuned. We got a lot more to talk about, or, or it's not stay tuned. What am I talking about? We're in this podcast, and we'll come back and listen to the next podcast uh, when we release it. So thanks for listening to the Public Safety Drone Podcast. Thanks again to Steve Schuler from the Blue Ash Police Department, Lieutenant Steve Schuler from the Police Department, and um, you can tell I'm a civilian, right? I don't. You're, I'm Steve. That works for you're me. You're Steve. Okay. And David Glenn from uh, YouTube, Kluge, and Joe Wessels here from MobileCom. Uh, thanks for listening, folks, and we'll catch you on the next episode of the Public Safety Drone Podcast. You've been listening to the Public Safety Drone Podcast. If you're interested in being a guest or know someone who could be, please contact the Public Safety Drone Podcast producer at UAS at MobileCom.com. That's UAS at M-O-B. I-L-C-O-M-M dot com or call 877-447-8433. Also, feel free to leave us a comment or feedback using the same methods. Special thanks to our music contributors mentioned during the show. All music used with permission. Please rate us on and subscribe to our show on iTunes. Your rating and reviews do help others find the show. If iTunes isn't your thing, You can find us on Spotify, Stitcher, SoundCloud, TuneIn, a tin can, and a string, just about anywhere else you can or can't find podcasts. We'll see you next time on the Public Safety Drone Podcast, sponsored by Mobilecom. Visit mobilecom.com forward slash UAS for more information on drone training happening in your area or for all your drone product needs. Or call 877-447-8433. 8433. Thank you for listening and fly safe.